0: What a joy to have you here um, on this Easter weekend as we celebrate the Lord's resurrection. Just out of curiosity, would you raise your hand if this is the first time you've been back since the pandemic began in March? Wow, look at that. Look at that. A lot has changed in a year. And Many of us, although we are rejoicing and and probably like me, there is, you know, spring is in the air. It's, It's going to be a beautiful weekend, it appears, and we're gathering again, and there seems to be a spirit of hope. But if you think back to the emotions that we experienced over this past year, I was thinking about that. There probably are some emotions that were very similar to the followers of Jesus on that first resurrection morning because they didn't know there was going to be a resurrection morning. And just thinking about our gathering this weekend, things how things are different. Many of you, most of you, had to register for church, which we never thought we would need to register for church. And I look forward to the days where we don't need to do that. And many of us never imagined singing and lifting our voice in praise and worship to God with a piece of cloth covering our mouth. And I look forward to the day when we don't have to do that. Can I get an amen? Amen. And I look forward to the day when our choir is not virtual. (laughs) But I have to say they did a fantastic job virtually for us today. But, you know, we aren't the only ones... Uh, as I said, maybe today on this Easter weekend, who had thoughts of unmet expectations and feeling as though our lives have been, have been disrupted and interrupted. Let's look, if, if we would together, in the Gospel of Luke in the 24th chapter, this will be a familiar story to you, but I want to point just a few things out. But very early on Sunday morning, I love this, the women went to the tomb. Can all the women say amen? Amen. Thank God for the women who went to the tomb. That's another sermon. I don't know where the men were that day. But praise God that the women went to the tomb. And uh, taking spices they had prepared, they found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. And they stood there puzzled. There were emotions on that first Resurrection Sunday. There were thoughts of bewilderment and being puzzled. And the women weren't the only ones. One of my favorite stories in the resurrection or after the resurrection, it's in that same chapter of Luke, chapter 24. It talks about two followers of Jesus walking towards Emmaus. It was the walk towards Emmaus. And I love this story. So you have these two Followers of Jesus that are going down the road and they're talking about what had transpired. Jesus' death on the cross. And lo and behold, who comes walking beside them? But Jesus, the Bible says. And as they walked along, they didn't recognize who Jesus was. The Bible says that God had hid that from their eyes. And he's walking and he goes, what are you guys discussing? And they look at, I just love this dialogue. They look at him and like... What do you mean, what are we discussing? Where have you been? All of Jerusalem is talking about this man named Jesus. And, he, and Jesus just plays along. He goes, what were you talking about? Give me more details. And I love this. These, these followers of Jesus say he was a prophet. He did powerful miracles. And they say, but he was crucified. And then they end by saying, we had hoped. And... On that resurrection morning, we have to remember that before Jesus appeared, his followers were experiencing loss. They were facing fear. They were wrestling with emotions of disappointment and unmet expectations. They were dealing with uncertainty about the future, and they were feeling powerless. How many of you can say you've experienced that over the past year? Because on this resurrection weekend, as we even think back, some of us have walked in today and you are experiencing loss. Maybe loss of a loved one, loss of family, could be loss of income, a job. Some are still facing fear. Some today may have come in and you're wrestling with the disappointment of unmet expectations. You were hoping that january 1st 2021 would be different but it just seems to be more of the same some today are feeling powerless and some of us if we're really honest with ourselves are experiencing very similar feelings like the women who went to the tomb or the followers of jesus walking on the road of um, of emmaus and you're dealing with those thoughts and feeling helpless But we are here today, and we are reminded that Jesus showed up on that Sunday morning. And I believe that what God would say to us today is that he will show up today. So finishing the story of these two followers of Jesus walking on the road to Emmaus, finally, it says, suddenly their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. They recognized Jesus. And then it goes on. I love this. They said to each other, these two followers of Jesus, didn't our hearts burn within us as he, Jesus, talked to us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? So today on this final stop of the road to resurrection, my prayer is just like that of the two Jesus followers that we talked about on the walk to Emmaus, that our eyes would be opened today and that our hearts would burn within us as we are reminded of what the resurrection means for all who have declared their loyalty and faith and allegiance to king jesus join with me in prayer father what a glorious weekend this is and your spirit has birthed this message in my heart so i believe there are some divine appointments today and will be This weekend, as people come and return for the first time. And first of all, we just pause to say thank you for the privilege that it is. We have learned over the course of the last year, we have come to appreciate the gathering of the saints, the community of believers. Thank you for the patience this church has shown. Lord, today, would that same power that raised Jesus from the dead... Fill each and every one of us, in your name. everyone said. Amen. Amen. So I will be honest, today's sermon is really a prayer. It's a prayer borrowed from the Apostle Paul. It's a prayer that he wrote in a prison cell, in a, in a prison cell in Rome, and it was written to a church in the city called Ephesus. And this prayer is found in the book of Ephesians. And just to give a little context before we read it, this city of Ephesus was really the, the third grandest city in the Roman Empire, if you will. You had Rome, you had Alexandria, but then this city called Ephesus. It's in modern-day Turkey, and they called it the gateway to Asia, or the light of Asia, and it sat right on the Aegean Sea, and it was a commercial port city, if you will. And There was a lot of population, a lot of energy there in Ephesus. And prior to this letter, the apostle Paul had traveled to Ephesus about 10 years before and had planted a church there. And now 10 years later, he finds himself in a Roman prison cell. And so this letter that he wrote, just to talk about the letter for a minute, again, it's in the New Testament, the book of Ephesians is what we call it. It was a letter written from its founding pastor, and he finds himself imprisoned in Rome. And this isn't a personal letter like First and 2 Timothy or even the book of Titus or Philemon. No, this most likely was a circular letter written by Paul. And what I mean by that is he wrote it to the church in Ephesus, but this letter was going to be passed out to other young and small churches that were in the area. And this letter, if you read it in its entirety, does not seek to correct heirs of theology in the church of ephesus like maybe the book of corinthians or galatians and there are new testament scholars that say that the church in ephesus was probably one of the most well-taught churches that had ever existed in that time yesterday for for good friday we talked about jesus's last words so if you will, this, this could be Paul's in prison. You could, we could think of this letter as maybe some final words, some final thoughts from its founding pastor. And here we find Paul writing and expressing those to one of the most spiritually mature churches in the region. And I have to wonder if Paul knew that Ephesus didn't need more doctrine. Ephesus didn't need more theological teaching or training, but what they needed was an empowerment and a realization of the power of Christ's resurrection. I have to wonder if maybe Paul sensed some lukewarmness or maybe some apathy that had set into this established church. And I wonder because rather than teaching or instructing in this letter, Paul begins this letter by praying for them. And if you, again, read the book in its entirety, it's almost a lyrical prayer throughout. And so today, as these words in Ephesians were birthed in my heart this week as I was preparing for this sermon, I was thinking of us knowing that so many of you, I would see your faces for the first time in months, maybe a year. And one of the things that has really stood out to my wife and I, having been here now for a little over a year as the new lead pastor and really even in that position for only about six months, when people ask me what are my some of my first impressions of ACAC, both my wife and I are so amazed at the spiritual maturity that is here at ACAC. There is a depthness, there is a passion for prayer and an earnestness to know God's word and to live God's word. And it's a rich heritage that this church has. But as I was thinking about that, I felt that God would challenge all of us with that being the case, that may we not be a church that just grows in our knowledge of God, but may we also grow in our realization of the power of God's resurrection, of Jesus' resurrection. And may we not allow the pandemic of the last year to bring in us a lukewarmness or apathy or being comfortable for having watched church on your couch for a year. God help us if there is an apathy or lukewarmness in our heart that this pandemic has caused from being away. And may we never have the mindset of being an established church. So here's Paul's prayer, and this is my prayer for us today on this resurrection weekend. This is Ephesians chapter 1, four verses, starting at 18. Paul says that, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparable great power for us who believe. If you will from Paul Paul prays for three things. I don't know if you caught it But in that verse he prays for three specific things one. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened So my prayer for us today as a church as Christ followers and this is directed at us As God enlightens our hearts as he creates that burning desire in us That in order you may know him here's the first that our hearts would be enlightened to know the hope to which He has called you. On this Easter weekend, on this time when so many are back, after a season of being away, I believe that God would have us pray and seek the Spirit's enlightenment to understand that there is a hope to which He has called you to. And that's the first one. That God would enlighten us and burn within us a sense that there is a hope to which He has called you. As followers of Jesus, we understand and know the need for hope. We understand that the three pillars of the Christian experience are what? Faith, hope, and love, with the greatest of those being love. These are essential to living a life representative of God's kingdom. And hope, as we've talked about it, always concerns the future. Hope is always directed at the future. And today, we do realize that through Christ's resurrection and power over death, that one day we too will rise to be with him. Theologically or doctrinally speaking, we call this the blessed hope. That one day Christ will return and take us home. But how does this distant hope, this Resurrection in the future, this blessed hope, help us in present day. Well, we need to remember that our hope is not just a future event. Our hope is not based just even in a past event. But Paul would tell us that there is a hope happening now. There is a hope that God has called each and every one of us to. Look at these words in another letter from the Apostle Paul. He writes, We know that God who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. Did you catch that? He raised Jesus pointing back. And he will raise us one day pointing to the future. All of this is for our benefit. It's for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be a great thanksgiving and God will receive more and more glory. Again, Paul pointed back to Christ's resurrection, and he pointed forward to Christ's return. But then he goes on and he said, that is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. Just to make sure you're awake, say every day. every day. All right. For our present troubles, our present troubles right now, the stuff we're going through, even through the tail end, hopefully, of this pandemic, are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce these present troubles that we go through, trials and suffering and uncertainties. They produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. Paul is praying that these Christians will capture the fact that God is at work in their daily circumstances. This is happening right now. Do you catch that? There is a hope that is happening right now. There is a hope to which God has called you to, called me to, and it is being developed now through your circumstances. This hope that he has called us to is being developed through the things that we go through. As the song says, you may not see it, you may not feel it, but God is working through it. Think about this, for three days, for three days it appeared though death had won. It appeared though darkness had won. God had called, but he knew God had called Peter. God had called John. God had called Thomas. God had called Mark to do incredible things. We are here worshiping and celebrating this Easter weekend because of those disciples. But for those three days, they were hopeless. You see, that was the ground in which God was working there was a hope that was working. Some today are experiencing this grooming process, if you will. Those three days in the grave were a grooming process for what God had called them to. Last year, before the pandemic hit, I had the opportunity of being with one of our men's gathering and there is a pastor named Patrick Weaver who wrote this, and personally in my life, this speaking of calling and us going through this grooming process and being prepared and sifted, the hope that God has called us to. I shared this, and I'm going to share it with you. Pas- pastor Patrick Weaver writes this. Listen carefully. Your calling is going to crush you. If you're called to mend the brokenhearted, you're going to wrestle with brokenheartedness. If you're called to prophesy, you're going to struggle to control your mouth. If you're called to lay hands, you will battle spiritual viruses. If you're called to preach and teach the gospel, you will be sifted for the wisdom that anoints your message. If you're called to empower, your self-esteem will be attacked. Your success will be hard fought. Your calling will come with cups, thorns, and sifting that are necessary for your mantle... To be authentic, humble, and powerful. Your crushing won't be easy because your assignment is not easy and your oil is not cheap. Those first followers of Jesus and disciples had to go through a sifting. And that happened during those three days. There is a hope which God has called you to and we are being prepared. I pray that the eyes of your heart today would be enlightened to know the second thing that there. Is only there is a glory to which he sees you. Notice this in that same verse. Paul writes, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope which he has called you to. That's the first, and here's the second. That the riches of his, that's God's glory, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Understand that this is not about our inheritance in God or us having his inheritance and his riches. Certainly God is our resources, resource. As followers of Christ, he is our strength. He is our source. But what Paul is emphasizing here is that we belong to God. As followers of Jesus under the blood and the Lamb of Christ, we are his inheritance, and he delights in us. Through the atoning sacrificial death of Jesus on the cross and his resurrection, we who are in Christ are in right standing with God and he sees us as righteous. We're his inheritance. And those words should encourage us. I love this verse in Zephaniah. Look at this. For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty Savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. And think of this, with his love, he will calm all your fears and he will rejoice over you with joyful songs. Someone needs to know today the realization that God delights in you and he sings over you. And lastly, I echo Paul's words and I pray today in our third point that there is a power within you. That we would understand there is a power within you. Let's look at that verse in Ephesians. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. That you may know the hope. This is the first one which God has called you to. The second, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. And lastly, his incomparably great power for us who believe. I have to believe that Paul knows that these Ephesian followers like most Jesus followers everywhere, including us, at some point in their life and in their circumstance will be immobilized by fear. And Paul's saying, I pray that you would know the power of God. I pray that you would know God's power. You see, the answer to fear is power. The minute you feel a sense of adequate power, you lose fear because power overcomes fear. My wife and I and our son earlier in the year, we tested positive for COVID and and we went through it for about a week and a half. And and, um, you don't have to raise your hand, but I'm sure there are some who experienced the same thing. And if you were like us, you you got through it and there was almost a sense of relief. Like, whew, we made it through. And the fear was gone. Why? Because we had gone through it. I've seen so many people who have received the, the vaccine. And it's like. It's like the fear is gone. Why? You've been, you've been hit with a bit of power from it. But yet Christ followers. Who have the very power that raised God. raised Jesus from the grave. We have that same power. And that same spirit within us. And it is that power. That overcomes and this isn't unlike this is not like any other power this is resurrection power this power is different this is not the power of a strong personality it's not the power of believing in yourself it's not the power of an education it's not the power of having good leadership ability or having a good family or strong family background it's not the power of wealth and fame it is the very power that raised christ from the dead and this power lives in us and it is available to us because we believe in Jesus and my question is do you know where this power works best this kind of power this resurrection power works best in cemeteries God's power works best in graves where things are dead and where things are buried you see, resurrection power of Jesus, it didn't pay attention to the stone that was in front of the grave. This resurrection power didn't pay attention to the desires of the religious leaders of the day. It didn't pay attention to Caesar's decree. It didn't pay attention to the guard that was standing in front of the tomb. Death itself could not stop this power. And so today, if you feel as though you are living in a cemetery, if you feel as though you are dead and buried where everything is dull and lifeless around you, you are actually in the best type of environment and soil to experience resurrection power. Resurrection power is made manifest in the midst of misery. So if you're here today, and you're feeling pressure, if you're feeling problems and suffering, understand that it's that resurrection power. It takes that to be patient in trials. How many know it takes resurrection power to love your enemies? It takes power to be joyful in suffering. It takes power to be thankful and grateful in all circumstances. It takes power to live as God has called us to be. And that power lives within us. The Holy Spirit is within us. And that same power that raised Christ from the dead lives within us. Would you stand to your feet today? My prayer is that of Paul's to the church of Ephesus that this weekend we would be enlightened, that our hearts would burn with a desire, our eyes would be open to know that there is a hope to which God's called you. And even if you don't see it, if you don't feel it, you have to know that God is working that out in you. And that we are God's inheritance, those who are in Christ, and that there is a power available to us. I want to Pray this prayer over us, and I'm going to pray the same pray, prayer that Paul did over the Church of Ephesus. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which He has called you, the riches of His glorious inheritance in His holy people, and His incomparable great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is evoked not only in this present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him, who fills everything in every way. Father, may that be so in us and in your church today. Thank you that you are a God who makes a way.